Hello, everybody. My name is Corey Kameda, and this is my Volume Academy podcast. Today's episode is with Forrest Williams, who did the drums on my song Trip. Um, I, I could not be more happy with the end result of, of this song, and so I'm, I'm, I'm really happy to, <laughs> to say that it's done and it's, it's ready to be put out there in the world. Um, a few things before we get started, I'll just mention my Patreon. It's uh, patreon.com slash Kameda. And uh, also, I'd like to continue to advertise my show at Annette Studios on May 7th. The doors are at 7.30. Tickets are 20 bucks. You can contact me directly and I'll make sure that you get on the list if you would like to attend that. I think there's about 10 spots left. So that's going really well. I'm really happy to be playing there again. Uh, Annette Studios is, is a second home to me for sure. And last time I played there, it was such a blast. I'm looking forward to doing it again. Um, what else can I say here? If you want to work with Forrest, you can go to uh, producemusicathome.com and uh, get in touch with him there. He's also pretty easy to find on the socials, so Instagram or Facebook. You can find him under Donald Forrest Williams. Um, and I, I couldn't recommend him, uh, you know, more. And after speaking with him today, I, I really, really look forward to to working with him again. So strap yourselves in because this is this is kind of a long one. It's about We talked for about an hour and a half today about so many things you know the difficulties of being in, ba- in a band um and and also we talk about gear we talk about we talk about it all and i'm i'm really thankful that we got to do this today so thank you forrest and thank you to all of you who are listening and continue to support it means the world to me and i'm very excited to share uh, more music with all of you um I'll include a teaser of the song we did together at the end of this episode. And if anybody would like to hear the full version of the song, contact me and I will send it to you directly. We talk a little bit about uh, the release strategy of this new music in this episode. So uh, other than that, I don't think there's much else to say. I hope everybody has a great safe weekend and uh, take care, be good to each other. And uh, thank you again for everything. All right. See ya. Okay, one, two, three. Great. All right, Forrest. Hey, Corey. <laughs> how you doing, man? That's how you say your name, right, Corey? Simple? It's me. Yeah. Cool. And how do you yeah. say your last name? Um, you know what? In uh, It's Japanese, so I'm thinking it's Kameda. <laughs> You're thinking... I'm thinking it's Kameda, just, you know. From... It's like when people ask me uh, my my nickname, Forrest, which is not my real name. It's Donald Kenneth Williams. They say, hey, do you spell it with one R or two? I say, whatever you want, because it's not real. <laughs> so where did, where did that come from? Where did Forrest come from? Is that like a family member gave you that? or uh, My friends in high school, I told them I wanted a new name because I didn't like my name I had because I didn't like my father at the time. And he, his name is Donald. Okay. So it was just a teenage rebellion against my father. And uh, (laughs) also I wanted to stand out and be, I wanted to be, I don't know. 
I just uh, wanted to be, uh, it was something more fun, you know, like give me a fun name. And yeah. they just thought I was very foresty. They, like I had like, I had, I was, I had long hair. I was coloring it with like uh, that stuff we used to use in the nineties to like lighten your hair. Like peroxide. Yeah. Yeah. I th- oh yeah. I think I just put peroxide in it. It was just whatever, whatever I could do to mess myself up and look kind of weird. And yeah. I wanted like a name to fit. And they were like, you're totally a forest. And I just, I said, perfect. Let's just go with that. And that was a year or maybe months before I went to Berkeley right after yeah. high school. I got the, the nickname in the, the last year of high school. Um, and, uh, so when I went to Berkeley, I'm like, hey, I'm, I, there's no way I'm going to call myself Don. or Don- <laughs> Actually, Donnie is like, Donnie is my, my name and my family, Donnie. Right. Um, it's, much, it's a little looser than Don. Like, calling <laughs> me Don is like so weird. Yeah, it could I've be like mafia with- boss or like, you know. <laughs> and I go to, and I went to, when I went to work at UPS after music was, uh, after Big Wreck in 2003, yeah. it was our last tour. In 2004, I uh, to be taken seriously in the business world, I I went to Dawn. I went all the way the other way, <laughs> and my whole my whole life went all the way towards Dawn. And now I'm getting <laughs> now I'm like in between Dawn and Forest, and so I'm kind of a a, a Donny. But everyone who knows me in the music world is is Forest. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I went to Berkeley and and just introduced myself as Forrest. I was like, I'm going with this, and it stuck. And when people found out my real name, they were, you know, Ian. <laughs> you could just see Ian's face just cracking up. When they found out my real name, and they're like, Are you serious? You're not a Donnie. No. And they would just tease me like, Hey, Donnie. Hey, Donnie. Oh shit. What's going on, Donnie? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so that's so- the name. Okay, so all right. I, so I mean, now I go by I always Donald. Thought it was... Now I just make it so that everybody knows because I, I live in the states where no one knows really. Well, not as much big wreck as up in the up in Canada. So I just kind of put it all together. Now I'm kind of officially Donald Forrest Williams. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. So that's kind of a neat fact there because. I mean, those first two big wreck albums; those are the ones that you're you're playing on. Yeah. Um, and I've admired so much of Big Rex music from then till now, but the first two records to me are very special because um, I, I remember the first time hearing some of that music. Uh, I think I was going to play a show or something, and, and each one of us picked like three songs to compile like a set or whatever. One of my friends, Mateo, he picked... I, I can't remember. It was either that song or Look What I Found. One, one or the Or maybe it was both. But when we went to go learn these songs, I I was like, this sounds fucking big. Like, that was, like, I was like, is that, was that why it's called Root Big Rack? But the thing is, it's like, I mean, I wouldn't come to appreciate some of these, like, uh, these, these, I think it's the recording techniques in the end. And I, and it kind of all came full circle when I got your drum tracks, cause dude, I was sitting here and I was like, holy shit, that's the, that's the fucking sound right there. Yeah. Like it was the drums, man. And, and yeah, those first two records are, are so important to me and to so many people, but 
And you're saying, and I'm not aware of what kind of crosses over, you know, from Canada to the States. But to me, I mean, Big Rec is, is massive, you know. Um, but in the States, you're, you're saying not as much? like. Well, if I went to Canada and went to Toronto or anything and told them who I was, they'd be like, oh, oh my God. Yeah. Here, they, they'd be like, oh, yeah, you were in a band? Oh, what, right. you know, what was it called? And then they have no clue. No okay. clue. <laughs> really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, when the Big Rec comes down here, I mean, if they can afford to come down here now, yeah. I mean, they're playing to a tiny club. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. not, it's not uh, a household name like it is in Canada. Yeah, because up here, I'm, I'm guessing it's more like the theaters is probably the biggest for... Just even what from where I've seen them, like some festival stuff and maybe some theater things, but we're not seeing like, like like ACDC stadium stadium size shows. So yeah, and I think <clears throat> I think if we stayed together, we could have got there, but yeah. we weren't smart enough or old enough or wise enough to stay together. Well, shit, man. I mean, that time you're saying like 2003 is when that kind of disbanded, right? To 2003, 2004. I mean. If if we were just to kind of go look back at things that were going on in the industry at this time, I mean, it was volatile to begin with, and then you throw whatever personality issues or or whatever comes with being in a fucking band. Because I yeah. mean, we can both say that there's just I I don't I don't know, man. It's at some point your armor gets a little thin, and you just can't deflect any of the bullshit anymore and it's it's something has got to give and it's either going to be you or the project right yeah at that time it was like uh everything everything i mean when we when we got together we got atlantic records and when we got the oaf on the radio and it was actually doing down well down here in the states we were selling four thousand records a week in the states like actual twelve dollar cds we were on mtv (laughs) And opening up for the Foo Fighters, and I'm like, oh my god, this is happening. <laughs> this is this is it. And then yeah. um, that was basically our peak. Um, that song didn't do. Uh, it, it's kind of um, it, there's a lot that happened in between the Oaf and that song down in the states at Atlantic Records, and our relationship kind of suffered with Atlantic, um, right. and with the any kind of some negative publicity that we were giving to other bands like Creed that we were on tour with and uh and the sales numbers weren't quite as awesome um and and then in 2000 like mm-hmm. in between the records um you know that song and Blowing Wide Open everything went perfectly in Canada down here that song didn't get really get picked up as Hmm. much it went to like 25 on the mainstream rock and uh the oaf had been like a top 10 right so and in order for a big company like atlantic to be fully vested they canada wasn't enough for them um no uh we lost momentum in the states with that song i can't Mm -hmm. i don't understand why but I thought I that either. was. I, mean, but I, I don't think that you can was really, the hit. I don't think you can really pin anything in in particular on 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 that whole thing, right? Because it's. I, I mean, my my wife was signed to a major. She was signed to Universal, and you know, 
it's just the way things go sometimes is like I don't really understand why this isn't doing what we need it to do right now because yeah. everything has been done right. But for some reason, something, some number doesn't show up somewhere, right? Yep, yep. something doesn't so, fall exactly into place. I mean, getting there <laughs> in the first place is like getting hit by lightning twice. Yeah. And yeah. Um, getting to that point, you know, if, if that song had been as big as a hit down here as it was up there, we'd probably, um, things would have been different. It's amazing. Yeah. It's just crazy. And so in between 1997, 8, 1998, and 2001, when the second record was, it was a long period of time because we were trying to record a record quickly with the same, in the same studio at the same level that we did the first one because we were used to it. And Atlantic wanted to make sure they spent every single, did everything they could to make it the best thing, which meant use particular A plus producers. Like Mike, we worked with Michael Beinhorn for a while who did super unknown. He wow. said we weren't ready. We didn't have enough songs. He told Ian to go write more songs, uh, come back. That just frustrated us as artists. And well, I um, guess so, because I mean, you like, if I'm correct, there's like 16 songs on uh, Pleasure and the Greed, right? Like it's not like this is a like this is a good chunk of material. There's a lot. Yeah, there is Go a on. lot. Um, and uh, so we kind of yeah, we lost lots of momentum by by them waiting and forcing us to use an A A plus producer, which and ended us with uh, Mike with uh, Dave Jordan in, in Burbank, California. And, okay. you know, the second record with the, the, the budget was $480,000, which is crazy. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't even happen now. Now no, you're lucky, man. even if you're a top, top person to get thirty fifty thousand dollars $50,000 is a lot of money for a record, for a record, yeah. like a record these days. Yeah. And, yeah. um, you know, and then between those two albums, also 2000, uh, the stock market. Yes. Our, our company, Atlantic, which is Time Warner, mer yeah. uh, famously merged with AOL and it became AOL Time Warner. Okay. A lot of AOL people started coming into Atlantic and displacing the, the priorities and some people. And then right. the stock market crashed. And in hindsight, in the business world, it's known as the worst merger in history. AOL okay. Time Warner. <laughs> it was a bad deal. That happened in 2000. Then we had the market crash. We had the Twin Towers in 2001. Yeah. We had a lot of stuff going on in, in the business and in, in our label as well that kind of shook up and you just didn't have that drive. It's like you got to drive to the to the basket and, and make your basket if you lose momentum you're just not going to get there so a I, lot of stuff I, happened yeah. <coughs> excuse me i i agree man because i mean just uh, if i can bring it down to kind of the creative process level um i mean the the drive and the momentum is so key because when i i was just looking up like our our conversation history. Cause I was like, when did I start talking with Forrest? And, and I actually pinned it back to like beginning of March, 2020. <laughs> not that long so, ago. No, not, not that long ago, years. but, but it's, it's funny because I mean, 
it was right before the pandemic, like, like right before lockdown in, in Toronto anyway. And, um, and I remember getting the tracks from you because we we worked this out. We got it started pretty quick. And I was like, yeah, this is great. And then once I got your tracks, I kind of froze up a bit because there was so much going on. You know, I, like uh, me and Andy, we both stopped working in music and whatever other day jobs we had at the time. Everything was just like up in the air. And then there was this whole facet of like, I was listening to your tracks and I kind of psyched myself up. I was like, I'm going to ruin this. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I was like, I'm like, I'm like, oh my God, like, it's just, I was kind of processing it and, and I, and I psyched myself out and then I just put it away and then we moved and blah, blah, blah. We were living up in Northern Ontario for the majority of the pandemic and then I started getting more into mixing and stuff on my end and, and just kind of exploring logic, you know, the program end in life. And I was like, I got to get this done. So it took me a while to to get at it again. But I was like, no, I, I got to do this. But but when I lo- when I lose momentum in anything, it's it's fucking gone. Yep. And it takes twice as much work to get it back. And I'm kind of experiencing the same thing now with, okay, like, what do I exactly want to do within music right now? Because I'm, after a couple decades of working in the music industry, I'm exhausted by it. And mm-hmm. and the good always outweighs the bad, but, oh, like, and like I said, too, like, I, I can't deflect the bullshit as easy as I did before. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. so what am I going to do here? And, you know, at the end of the day, I was just so happy to to get to work on some music with someone like yourself, who I, I really respect your playing, of course, um, your your past work and the work that you're currently doing with, you know, the, the YouTube channel and the talking about the mixing and the playthroughs. And I'm like, I can function in that world quite happily, you know that requires some momentum too. So I guess what I would like to ask you now is what's your relationship to, to the music world? Because you seem to be happy doing what you're doing and you're putting out so much, so much great stuff, but where are you, where are you kind of at these days? What's your relationship to it? I'm extremely lucky to be in the position that I'm in, which is as a musician and, and a, a person, you want to be successful at what you do. And Mm -hmm. it's like a drive. If you have that drive and you never get to a certain point, you feel like, like, what the hell do I have to do to get there? I I don't know what to do. I mean, and for a lot of people that are just as good as me Mm -hmm. and, or there's tons of people that never make it because it's like I said, it's like getting hit by a light and twice. You (laughs) have to have a momentum. You have to meet an Ian Thornley. You have, I had, if I hadn't gone to school, if I hadn't gone to Berkeley and met Ian Thornley and we Mm -hmm. stuck together and his dad got a tape to Alan Gregg for the management trust that worked, Mm -hmm. that managed the tragically hip and he didn't hire Bernie to manage us and put a lot of money into us and, and get us to that particular studio with a beautiful Neve board and Matt DiMatteo and Chris Wardman were just right a perfect a perfect match for for our style and put together that first record 
and then be in that time where Soundgarden and STP needed kind of they they needed more we needed more material at the end of the 90s to to kind of replace with the some of the bands that were fizzling out and that music was still popular right everything was just perfectly in place and incredible amount of luck and the only thing is you you like it it has you have to keep up the momentum and you can never stop the problem is you get to us you know i have a friend um that's got that's my age and never made it and i think he could have um if he had stayed focused and stayed on plan and never given up he kind of got distracted and you get people get distracted with a lot of stuff um but but then again even if you don't get distracted and you stay and you do everything you possibly can you may not make it and it's just freaking depressing if you ever well you know what and you had to get a real job and or and you didn't really want to um, yes, it's a, but yeah. it's a huge amount of acceptance that I don't know if I would, I don't know what I would do in, in, in your position as far emotionally with music, I'd be so freaking depressed because mm. like, I, I put my whole life into this and I'm not, I never reached that point. And now it's even harder to get to that point. Um, well, I, I think, I think there's a few lessons that. I've been able to learn from guys like yourself and your company, you know, because I had a good talk with Gordy Johnson from Big Sugar one time, and I'm sure you you guys toured together or played together. And I mean, yeah, I mean, I know, you know, like one of the best, yep, one of one of the best. And I uh, I was working uh, for an artist that Gordy had produced a while back, Meredith Shaw, and I learned so much from Meredith too about professionalism and just you know goals instead of expectations because those expectations can really fucking let you down yes um so i you know and then i had this talk with gordy one time because i was just kind of in the pits and in toronto bumming around going what am i supposed to really be doing right now and 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 gordy told me something that always really stuck with me he just said you know what Corey? like you gotta love it because that might be the only thing you get out of doing this and i was like i can deal with that you know, that's not disappointing to me. It, it's a little tough, but it it helped me come up with that kind of notion to, yeah, get rid of the expectation, get rid of those sentences that start with, I deserve and yeah. I should have, you know, like it's not going to go anywhere positive. So, yep. And um, as long as you can get, be, if you're comfortable, like I'm, com- as long as you're comfortable with that situation financially, that's the only mm-hmm. thing you're really missing is the financial, um, ability to just do music a hundred percent of the time. And I don't even know if I could do that because I kind of, I get, I do about four hours of music a week. I set, somebody gives me a track to do. I set up the mics. I like, Oh, I love my microphones. I'm going to put them up and I learn (laughs) the song. I run through it 20 times. I do a few edits. I put on some compressors. I'm like, yeah, and they crank it up on the speakers. And this is, oh, this is fantastic. And I send it out and they say, oh, this is great. Thank you so much. And I get paid 175 bucks. And I'm like, oh, this is great. That's enough. Yeah. Like, I don't yeah. want, I don't know if I could do it every day, every day. I, and then in order to make the money I make at my other job, I'd have to probably do four. Let's see, how many would I have to do? I'd have to do at least three tracks a day 
and then yeah. have other stuff going on, like producing other people. And there's no way uh, I, I don't have that much work. Yeah. And even if I did, I would get burnt out on it. I wouldn't want to do that much work. So I'm gonna, yeah. I have totally accepted the fact that I am a transportation supervisor at a big corporation. And that's an easy job that I do eight hours a day, five days a week. And then yeah. I've on all the rest of the time, or even I'm at work, I'm thinking about music because I <laughs> love it and it's just fun to do. And I get I, to play with yeah. my toys and people actually pay me to play with my toys for four hours a week. And well, that's and just, what, what's as long as you that, can right? get at a financial, if you don't mind, if you're not too proud to, be, to get a real job. So yeah. many people are too proud to get a real job. And that's also part of the problem. I've always had a job, except yeah. for six years while I was in Big Rec, when I was on tour constantly in the studio, couldn't do it. Only six years out of my life have mm -hmm. I not had a real job. And I needed to have a job at the beginning mm -hmm. and when I was off tour with Big Rec. And, yeah. in the, and in the in-between time, because I had to pay my bills and I had to not I had to keep going strong with music and part of going strong with music and making it to where I was, was keeping a job when I needed it. And a lot of people have so much pride and, and so much disdain for getting a real job because yeah. they're, it's too good for them. They're too good of a musician. Like I have to give everything to being a musician. Well, you know what? You're probably wasting a lot of fucking time every day being yeah. a musician, being a fucking depressed, loser <laughs> well get, honestly, go get a fucking job hey and man, then on your, on your spare time <laughs> buy some gear and get with some people and buy a van and just go out there and do it on your spare time if you can't pay the bills with it you can't pay the bills with it yeah i can't yeah. pay the bills with it now and that's just you just have to be able to swallow your pride and get a fucking job yeah i i agree because I mean, just the the whole kind of um, like what do you call it? I, I, like, there's like this whole mystique to like success as a musician, right? And what it is to be successful. I mean, a lot of these people that people idolize or romanticize, a lot of them died lonely deaths or lived lonely lives, and and it did not work out more often than not yeah. right i mean how many how many people from from your guys's peak era are just not doing well or are not around anymore or have redefined how they approach this whole thing entirely because they could not survive if they were doing it the way they were before financially or lifestyle wise right i mean yep and I, and i think um jobs have saved my life in many situations i've struggled with alcohol and mm -hmm. I've done every drug there is except for heroin. And, and I would be dead if I didn't have jobs occasionally because it keeps you busy mm -hmm. and you can't be too hungover or, or strung out or you're going to miss too much work. If you yeah. have a job, it could save your life also. Because yeah. if, I, if I didn't have uh, UPS after I got off the road with Big Wreck, mm -hmm. I probably would have stayed home and um, drank myself to death. Yeah, wallowing in the fucking, yep. you know, like, ah, right, in, be, in the in-between time, like, who knows, you know? So Yeah. I, I'm with you, Forrest, because, I mean, I'm out in Quebec City now, um, 
And my, my wife is from here. And after pandemic, we were in a situation where we were able to afford to buy a house out here. We're closer to her family. I mean, these are values that are very important to us, you know, um, as much as we pour our hearts into music and creativity and everything, I mean, those core values is what actually gives us, you know, a bit of strength in, in many aspects of our lives. Um, but moving out here has been the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. The The language barrier that I experience out here is so dense that it was pretty crippling to the point where when we were doing some gigs out here, I was like, oh, oh my God, like, I can't even really entertain because I can't speak to these people. Like, I, I didn't realize how much I kind of had reflex-wise in my back pocket in terms of not only being a musician, but an entertainer. And, and it's it's all gone. Like, it's gone. <laughs> so, like, I'm like, oh, shit. And, and then even just trying to find some work out here, that was so hard in itself. I finally found a job as, as a woodworker, and that's occupying a lot of my time. Um, and I do like the routine. It, it, it works well for me. You know, yeah. it, it keeps me from going into those other places where yeah. I just don't need to be. And the part of the reason that this podcast exists is because I'm like, how do I want to redefine my, you know, what, what I consider to be success as a musician. So this whole podcast thing is something that came out of uh, a, a previous series I did called Got You Covered with my buddy from Jersey. We just we were doing these online cover collaborations and we talk about things like you and I are now. And then at a certain point, you know, over the last couple of months, I, I was doing this thing where I'd call up old friends. I'd be like, hey, do you want to hear a tune right now? And they'd be like, sure. I'm like, okay, pick a song. And I'm just going to record it acoustically, voice memo for you, specifically to you, and personalize it, send it out. And it was kind of nice, little fulfilling of my entertainer needs and whatever. And, sure. and, and then I got to a point where I'm like, I should just do this with my own music. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, and I was like, I think I can. And, and maybe if I do this podcast where I talk with the people that I work with, that's interesting for me. I'll, I'll always have kind of like a little photograph of of this interaction with these people like yourself right. and and i can just use all of this as a business card for a patreon link or uh or a whatever and and uh and i feel pretty good about it and i feel comfortable in this spot i don't feel bad about having a day job um if it gets to the point where i can function a bit more through music great if not it it just doesn't matter to me you know, um, the, the, it's it's all been such an experience, and I know what I do like and what I don't. I've never particularly enjoyed touring. I like traveling, but touring is different, you know. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm just I'm kind of trying to find that whole balance as we as we pull out of this whole pandemic thing. But but I think it there's now more than ever is is a great time to redefine how you want to present yourself against i mean this thing we just went through there there was the biggest bands and artists in the world that were not touring or functioning to their full capacity so it gave a lot of opportunity for new ideas and new ways to present ourselves and and i just 
I don't know. Like I, I, I don't really have any kind of bar set for myself, even when it comes to comparing how my peers are doing, you know? There's there's just no I I, I don't know. There there's just nothing that I feel like I can't do right now even though it would be nice to, you know, make my buck off of doing music, I just don't think that's going to happen anytime soon for me. <laughs> so, yeah, getting rid of the pride and and kind of just, you know, embracing um, what it needs to survive and provide for the family and, and everything, like, that's good enough. I'm, I'm quite happy with that. So I'm, yep. I'm glad to hear you are too, because I, I look up to you and I look up to the work you've done and what you're doing now. And to, to hear someone else is, is happy with that, it's, that's real encouragement for someone like me, you know? Thank you. Yeah. The expectations that you have for yourself and everything, and even with me, with other people, mm -hmm. are dangerous. That's the okay. only reason that I'd be disappointed is because mm -hmm. I didn't meet some kind of expectation that I set myself for myself or I'm disappointed with someone else because they didn't meet my expectation. And if you get right. rid of the expectations and you accept your life and the people around you for what they are and who it is, and you're just doing your best every day and you're, you're looking at life in a positive way, you're doing what you want, everything you can at, to move in the right direction, that's all you can do. And just yeah. be happy that you're healthy. And, <clears throat> the, uh, and everything you do, like what you're doing right now with me, I'm here yeah. talking to you. This this could possibly lead to something else. Mm -hmm. um, everything you do, you don't know. You don't specifically know what to do. Like, should yeah. I do a song today? Should I do a podcast? Should I do YouTube? Like, but <laughs> just do something. Um, yeah. Even selling gear. Like, I I buy and sell gear. I'm, I just sold a microphone, and I'm trying to sell a couple of preamps because I have because I bought a compressor that I love. And right. buying gear, having a new gear and, and selling some old gear, getting something new to play with for me is, is something that keeps me going and gets me excited. I'm really yeah. excited tomorrow because I'm going to get an 1178 Yuri compressor in the mail. And <laughs> it's basically the best drum, uh, one of the best drum bus compressors ever. Okay. And that. Even that keeps me going, and and I'm, and my point was actually that what we're doing today could lead to God knows what, who knows who knows what. Um, I I I believe the same thing because I mean for me it's like all of these kinds of interactions are are very nice for me. I love I love talking about music. I love talking about gear. I'm I'm a gear junkie myself. I'm always seeing like stuff you're posting about like you know getting a couple new mics or whatever and i'm just like oh yeah like he's i'm almost so pushy happy about right it. i'm like you gotta get one of these microphones <laughs> um uh can we talk a bit about about gear stuff because oh my god you know, it's like my, i'm sure it's i'm sure I the 10 percent of the, the the 10 percent of the women that listen to my podcast are gonna love this i'm sure <laughs> but uh but honestly though like um for me, when it comes to recording, there's a there's a lot that comes pretty intuitive to me. Um, what I've been finding as I've been doing this, and even working on the song we worked on, uh, there's there's things I could be doing to make 
my mixing more dynamic or whatever. But I mean, at the core of what we did, there's so much vibe in there. And, and one of the best parts about this recording is this Forrest Williams drum sound. I mean, it's to me, it was so I'm like, okay, I know this drum sound. I've sent it to a couple people. And I didn't even tell them it was you. And they said it sounds like sounds like Big Red, right? <laughs> I'm serious. Yes. And, and I and I said, well, it should because you know what? That's the guy. So, um, but I mean, I I just have no intuition when it comes to uh, recording drums. So, can you tell me your your kind of like baseline for what's gonna get the good stuff? Yeah, I mean, um, so what you said is very is a good point. It's like. Even if uh, I record myself with one uh, inexpensive microphone hanging over the drums, it's going to mm-hmm. sound like me. Yeah. So it starts with um, a drummer playing on an instrument that he or she made sound as best to their ears in the room that they, that they can. Like, yeah. this is the way... These are the drums. I like to play this big bass drum with a wide open sound. It's when I hit it, it's just like, oh my God, this is fun. <laughs> and, uh, and you hit this, the, the, the snare just is like crack. Like, yeah, yeah. okay, let's, now I, this is what I like to hear. And then um, for me, a big part of it is, is having a room that's good. I mean, a lot of uh, production today, if they're going to spend money, uh, half the budget, they'll go to like Sunset Sound and, LA and record the drums and then mm-hmm. they'll take the drum tracks and then go home and do mm-hmm. the rest at home because yeah. Yeah. Uh, having a good equipment in a nice room um, is the second part of beyond the drummer and the drums mm-hmm. if you got a great drummer and and if a great drummer is gonna have an, a set that sounds like what they want to sound they're gonna sound great and then then you just gotta capture it so yeah if you get in, get it in a room that sounds the best room you can find. Um, usually, a bigger room with high ceilings and wood works good, or or some mm-hmm. bricks on the wall. Or, at the case of the first album at at Presence, uh, the floor was uh, marble. They had like oh, marble wow. <laughs> marble uh, tiles on the floor, and <clears throat> it had a certain sound. Yeah, and uh, so you know, put that great great drummer or guitar player or whatever in a room where it's fun to play mm-hmm. and if you don't have a great room um just put just put a have a microphone in the a room microphone mm-hmm. um even if if it's a small room just try to get it away from the drums as much as possible and then run it through a compressor with mm-hmm. a medium attack time a very fast release time yeah. So the the medium attack lets the the transients through like the crack right. of the snare drum and then yeah. the fast release makes it go ah. right and okay. uh, and then you know if you can get an 1178 like I'm getting tomorrow or 1176 <laughs> is the yeah. mono version it, or you can use compact compressors the uh FS760 Compex is the okay. one we used on the first record, and that's the famous "When the Levee Breaks" uh, okay. compressor. That's that. Yeah. That sound is a compressor. If yeah. you can, 
just smash a microphone with a compressor and add it into the natural sound, you get that <laughs> sound. Yeah. And it's just freaking awesome. Um, that can make it exciting for the drummer if you put that through the headphones yeah. and make them sound bigger like they're actually yeah. in a huge room and then they'll play to that and it makes it exciting. Um, right. But uh, as far, I mean, you got to get it the best microphones you possibly can. Um, yeah. I have um, the best microphones for my kind of sound, which Michael mm -hmm. Beinhorn actually, when we worked with him, I did one track with him. Mm -hmm. And he, the best microphones for overheads, and I like mm -hmm. to use Glenn Johns, which is one right over the snare drum and then one over to the right over the uh, floor tom looking at the snare drum mm -hmm. the best microphones for those are vintage u neumann u67s which are okay like 15 grand each <laughs> yeah or <laughs> they made it they have a reissue now so it's seven grand and they, those oh. are pretty good but i can't okay. i can't afford that yeah. next best thing is uh u87s neumann u87s right. and i do have yeah. a couple of those vintage ones Really? Those are okay. four, and I got the. I don't. I didn't have a pair when I did your recording. I've got my recordings sound better now than they did two years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, I have two Neumann vintage. Anything pre nineteen eighty six is best. They're about four grand each, and I'm right. talking U.S. Um, yeah, and <laughs> okay. like the new ones don't sound as good. I've had a new one and I tried it. I bought one and I sold it. Just to try it, it doesn't have the same warmth uh, and, and that certain thing in the mid-range that the sure, old yeah. ones have. Yeah. But if you, so you can get new ones. I mean, new ones you can get for uh, 2000 US, the new mm -hmm. U87. Mm -hmm. And then what I used on yours uh, is the microphone I'm holding, which is a AKG C414BULS. Yeah. They started making them in 1986, and they were the last ones with this transformer. You hear that? That warm? Oh, oh no, you can't hear that because I can only hear that. I'm put, <laughs> I'm holding it closer. You'll be able to hear it in the playback when you make your podcast. Oh. Awesome! It gives this creamy, warm uh, sound. And I've um, been wanting to try some of these out. I've I've um. I mean, one of the most exciting things for me to walk into a studio is check out the mic locker, right? Yeah, and just, yeah. oh, yeah, cool, cool. And um, I would, I've been asking a few people about overheads around here, too, because I got my, my cousin. He's working on some drums for another track for me. And we were just like, ah, maybe, we should, maybe we should just go rent a couple mics and see what we can do here with what we, what we got, you know? Yep. Um, and someone hit me to the, to the 414s. Um, and... I haven't had a chance to to try them on the drum kit yet, but I have heard people use them on like grand pianos and oh, stuff, yeah. and and just uh, yeah, there's they're a wonderful sounding mic, super warm if if I remember right. Like yes, they they are warm, and and the the version I'm using, a lot of people they add a little bit of high end to them because they're kind of a little soft in the hand, but it's all there. You just might have to add a little bit in the EQ. But yeah, I use these yeah. for piano. Uh, everything if you need a yeah. decent mic on anything and you're not sure what to use you can just use one of these and it'll work it'll work on anything 
Um, they nice. used to be used for uh, vocals a lot in the 80s, like uh, Phil Collins and Whitney Houston and all that stuff. Use these too. Okay. And the older, the better. You know, yeah, I have sure. a I have a C twelve A. So the 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 first version of the four fourteen was a C twelve. And they're about twenty five grand. Oh they make geez. they started making them in nineteen <laughs> I I wanna say the fifties or sixties, uh and they made a couple thousand of them, I think, and and then those are like the holy grail. And yeah. the, um for overheads mm-hmm. uh c12 so you get a pair of c12s you're in for 50 grand um <laughs> so the next version that came along uh is a smaller version with a tiny a little tube is they were trying to get away from bigger stuff because it was blocked like they're in camera shots it would block block the shot and stuff right um, okay <laughs> but uh they started using smaller tubes and trying to make things more compact and so they made the c12a Okay. And that has a little new Vista tube in it. And I have one of those and it's godly. It, it yeah. sounds godly. Um, it's, pro, it's the best sounding microphone I have. It's just like these, but the tube gives us this warmth. And also in 1976, they stopped, they stopped making the capsules, the part that you actually speak into the round, round gold thing. And the yeah, inside okay. of the, inside of the microphone uh mm-hmm. they stopped making them by hand out of brass with the brass ring um they used to make them by hand up until 1976 okay so anything <laughs> after 1976 is a whole step down right so okay after the c12a which had that brass pan made capsule and a tube they went to just a straight 412 which is mm-hmm. the same capsule, but with no tube. It just went solid state because they were getting away from tubes. Tubes were noisy mm-hmm. and problematic. Getting rid of points, them. Yeah. Yep, they weren't consistent and they were noisy. They got went solid state transistors, and so in you know 1976 or something somewhere around there, they went transistor, right. and um, those are the C412s, and those are fantastic. Um, and wow. then they went to the 414. Um, and then in, be- in somewhere in 1976, they stopped making the capsules by hand, but didn't tell right. anyone. And the same <laughs> box, you could have bought a box off the shelf from a couple months before and a couple, and then a box, the same exact thing a couple months later, and you could get two different mics and they didn't even tell anybody that they changed <laughs> and put in a cheaper capsule. So when you buy, a 414 it, and it has a brass capsule it's worth four grand and if yeah. you find one without one it's worth about fifteen fifteen hundred to two thousand oh, about wow. ha- less than half the price so you could it, it's important to know and take off take the microphone apart and look at what capsule it has because the brass capsule 1976 and pre is the same capsule they used in that $25,000 C12, and it's just a gorgeous thing. They can't figure out how to make it again. I don't know why <laughs> they can't just... they People copy it. They try to make it perfect, and it just doesn't sound as good. I don't know why. I, tell, I, I say to my wife all the time, Laura, I'm like, how come they can't make this stuff the same, as good as they used to? They just can't. They I just know. Don't, it's I like mean, the, the, it's the, really, the, really... The whole, ex- like, they said it was biology of the construction is just... It's just 
gone. Like it's like with like vinyl plants now. It's like why is there not a single label that has built a new vinyl plant and just you know because with this whole kind of resurgence that's happened within the last 10 years it's like this technology is old yes but can't it be replicated to you know why like why is Uh, it not there yeah they just i don't think i think if they made if they continued making the brass capsule and then up to today they're trying to keep the price down just like when you go to buy uh ice cream 10 years ago you used to get a half gallon and I know you guys use different metrics up there, but, and then they just like <laughs> shave off like a third of the product and make it smaller and charge the same price. Yeah. It's same with microphones. They're trying to make, it was just too expensive to make these capsules and um, they, they couldn't raise the price enough to cover the cost. Yeah. So in order to keep people buying them and keeping the price constant, they had to make, they constantly had to make cost cut, cost cut, cost cut. Yeah, and uh, yeah. unfortunately, that so the microphones got worse and worse. <laughs> well, I'm interested to see what happens with a few different things in that realm because I mean, you even look at uh, some of the tube technology, a lot of it that comes from Russia or whatever, right? And 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 now there's you know with everything going on there, uh, like I've noticed in the a couple of music stores here like everybody's like they went out it was like toilet paper at the beginning of the yeah. pandemic everybody went out and bought and they're buying up all the tubes yes and stuff, i huh? heard about that yeah and there's talk about maybe something starting up in in the states as far as the factory goes but the price is going to triple because yeah. i mean just the labor costs alone <laughs> you yeah. know like and it's it's great i would love to see more things come out of america or canada like i like we have the opportunity to create the things that we buy. Um, and I think it's important to kind of create a job <laughs> force, you know, yeah. but the costs, I, I see why we get it imported when I look at the cost of things. And it's, it's unfortunate. I hope we, hope we can find a way around things like this, because how great would it be to have just like a plant, a, you know, a couple hours away that you can get your stuff from and, it, that, you know. that would be great yeah and i think um i'm willing to pay for quality so if you if you have to make it here and charge me more um i think that i would be willing to pay the, the price for the quality but sure. i don't know it may be like six times the amount of something made in china and i just may maybe even i wouldn't buy it it's yeah. just it's just a tough thing um yeah but yeah we're going through some stuff with the the global globalization is over <laughs> They say on CNBC, I'm I'm totally into the stock market, and uh, I started investing when I was young, and right. uh, I buy and sell stocks as well. Not okay. so much because I've learned my lesson. I don't really make much money buying and selling stocks. I mm-hmm. usually end up on the losing side, and the, the best thing I advice I give to everybody is to buy the S and P 500, which is the 500 biggest uh, most successful companies in the United States. And it's okay. an index fund and you just put your money in there and then you don't, you don't bother trading around and trying to beat the stock market because right. no one can. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I still yeah, like yeah. to buy, uh, like I own Sirius satellite radio and that stock has been $5 for like 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've bought and sold a Twitter, you know, I made about 20 grand on Twitter and then, um, I probably lost another 20 grand on 
eBay or something or Netflix. <laughs> you know, it, it's just not, uh, it's fun. And, and if I could, uh, what I tell my kids now, and I got one in it, he has a Fidelity account and he buy, I tell him, just buy what you love. Because yeah. what I loved in the 1990s was Apple. I okay. loved Apple. I loved yeah, that. I, for sure. The computers were all the music computers were Apple. Everything mm -hmm. Apple made was fantastic. And so I should have just bought Apple when I was younger and held it. Anything oh, that man. I really loved. <laughs> Another thing I love, Netflix. I love yeah. Netflix. I owned the stock at one point. I made 20% on it and sold it. <laughs> so I tell my kids, like, take my advice, buy stuff you love, like, my kid uh he bought some tesla i said just hold it don't trade yeah. it if it doubles just hold it because yeah we're talking because investments for you right now as a 17 year old is mm. 20 30 years out like right. if all of a sudden tesla cars suck if you get one and it sucks and it breaks then sell the mm. stock yeah but as long yeah. as you love tesla hold the stock and don't trade it don't be like dad <laughs> <laughs> do as i say not as i do <laughs> yeah. well i know not uh, i know not to trade now but oh my god um and you got you have uh twin boys right twin boys they're 17 uh yeah. ethan and ben yep one of them is Are totally they, uh, into music and he's got his own rack of gear uh he just okay. bought a, a mac mini uh yeah. and he uses fl studio and he does like hip-hop and rap and he produces some, I mean, I, he, he had me listen to some stuff he did a couple months ago with somebody that I didn't hear. It's all I can hear through the, uh, you know, I go to work, I come back, I go upstairs and I'm in bed. I hear, just hear the bass going, going through the, the walls over and over again, the same beat. Um, yeah. and I don't really hear what he's doing. And he shared with me some stuff and it was just, I was, I was blown away. I'm like, Oh my God. This is oh, great. Man, that's I'm so like, cool. I was brought to tears. I'm like, oh my yeah. God. Like, I can't even do what you just did. Because in your, I can't do that in that genre. I can't yeah. do beats with samples and and all the stuff that you're doing, all the different plugins and the different, in the genre genre that he's in. I can't even do it. And he's making, yeah. and he's doing it so well. It's just crazy. Well, that's super cool. I was, I was, I was curious to know if, if, if either of them gotten into music, and and I think that's awesome to hear. I always love hearing younger people uh, exploring music, especially like kind of uncharted territory or or different from my own or whatever. And do you do you see any resemblance, like kind of intuition that you have about music and that he has, or do you find it's like completely different? You know, I, um. As far as like things that we share, like like in terms of like I guess approach and and just like excitement. Do you find you guys get excited about the same things within music, or is it or is it just so different? You know. Um, well, one of the traits he has with uh, as far as as me is um, like turning the knobs carefully. Like when I was uh, when I was first using a real analog mixing board and tape machines and stuff i would turn stuff just a tiny bit yeah. to see if it would you know i didn't want to go too far if i turn it too far you know i'll turn it 
this and then I'll see, I'll listen back and I say, is it, did I turn it too far? Okay. Did I turn it on enough? And I would be really meticulous and time consuming with my right. knob turning. Yeah, and, yeah. uh, I'm not like an average guy, like a, a, a average guy, I think goes in, um, their yard with the power equipment and just rips the shit out of it. And then, <laughs> yeah. and then they're like, Oh, I, I think I overdid it. <laughs> I don't I'm so meticulous with things I'm like so extra careful it takes me a long time to do things until I know what I'm doing yeah until I'm comfortable like I know exactly where to put the microphones now yeah but up until this point it's been 30 years of tweaking yeah and figuring out where it goes and I still tweak and I still go well maybe it'll sound a little bit better over two inches over on this side of the snare and I'll right. try stuff and keep 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 uh, honing in. And he's Ethan's a lot like that. He is really meticulous, and um, he he's even corrected me on when I'm like just throw a compressor on something to smack to to do something. He's like, uh, Dad, you can't just you know <laughs> just, you're like overdoing it. I'm like, yeah, but I mean. <laughs> and he's right and he's wrong but nobody's right and nobody's wrong so that's, well, that's the good the thing you thing can't really it, right? and mistakes are usually the best things you can do in, in music you do something yeah. and then it's like oh my god I didn't expect that that's really cool and yeah, that's really the opportunities that like a that, that like a mistake can create are, are just there's something to behold sometimes because it's like wow, wow I just never would have come to that <laughs> and, yeah and, and unfortunately I think there's lots of bands out there that do a lot of great music but they're over they're a little, slightly overproduced and and especially the drums every drum track I hear on rock sounds exactly the same I'm like yeah. there's no character in that sound like I can't yeah. tell one drummer from another and it, I'm that just that's a little bit old farty uh stereotype. <laughs> of generalizing because I don't listen to it enough to know to be like, okay, if somebody pointed out this song with this drummer and they said, can you hear that? I'd be like, okay, I hear it. But I'm yeah. just generalizing. It's just, they, 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 uh, they line it up to the grid too much, too mechanical. Let the mm -hmm. thing breathe. How about, um, what I like, what I would like to do if I could do a song, if let's say we did a song again, Mm-hmm. Which is really tough. Actually, it might be impossible unless we did it <laughs> together in the same room. Because I'd like to start with a click. Yeah. All right. Here's your click. Dut, 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 dut. Let's start playing. And then yeah. shut the click off. Yeah. And that's what we did in the first couple records. I just get a cowbell slamming in my ear. <laughs> and then I, <laughs> and Ian and I and Dave would start playing. Yeah. Um, and maybe Brian and... Sometimes it was just Ian and I because I just need somebody to get go through the song with me. And, sure, um, yeah, as a guide or like yeah, just like guide me through the song yeah. and make it feel real. Like let's actually play it. Yeah, but the mm -hmm. my tempos are all over the place on the first and second record. Like you can't, right. you couldn't possibly get that to the grid. You'd go crazy. You'd go absolutely <laughs> mental. Um, yeah, because there is no way. It's not perfect at all. It goes. Uh, Choruses like to speed up a little bit. Yeah. Verses yeah. like to slow down a little bit. It's just natural, yeah. but there's none of that in a lot of modern music. They don't let it breathe at all. 
and I wish I heard more um, variation and more more mistakes and more all that stuff in modern music. But then again, I I hear a really well produced uh, song by like Zed or something, and it's all perfect. And I'm like, I love that too. So yeah, there's no right there's or wrong way. Said. I'm I'm not telling these these bands to do it my way or or not do it their way. Because the bands that really do it well that way and are all on the grid sound fantastic. So it's like yeah. it's like you can you can be good at any approach, but I think that some some of the bands in between that aren't quite reaching their potential might be because they maybe they should let it breathe a little more. I I agree. I mean, there's there's sometimes like I'll like I'll just be exploring plugins or just kind of doing some research or whatever on recording and blah blah blah, and then like a Nine Inch Nails record will come out or something like that, right? And I'll listen to that, and I'm like, oh, it's nice to hear that technology's caught up to Trent Reznor, you know? Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> but yep. it, in in terms of just like that's a great example. That thing. Great example. Yeah. of That. Grid, there's there's a guy that perfectly. knows like who cannot who can put on a nine inch nails record from that era and not love it and it's totally yeah. gridded <laughs> and the blend the blend like the humanity of it as well as the practicality of what they're employing is just perfect yeah. and it's you, you know what there's there's so many other examples of this kind of blend but these days it's so it's so hyper like it's uh, the the sounds that people are getting and the types of compression that they're using and even the mastering process of certain things now has you know it's changed a bit the loudness war is different and um just what people are doing with soft sounds and then really aggressive stuff or like i listen to billy eilish and i'm like this is so soft and so nuanced in many ways but the mix and the compression is is so aggressive yeah. that it's it's he- it's heavy in this totally unpredictable way until yeah. you're used to it and you do something else. But <laughs> yeah, I love Billie Eilish is fantastic, man. And then and when she's I I listen to Howard Stern and they have a lot of good musical guests. She's been yeah. on there a couple times and and she can do it live. It's just man, she's so good. Yeah, yeah. I think they got a very powerful thing going on her and her brother there I, I i really enjoy watching their journey and i just think it's i think it's so cool man this this whole music thing it's it's at the end of the day i i just i love it so much even though there's been the ups and downs and the kind of what do i do's and all that it's at the end of the day it's just nice to know that you can rely on enjoying it yeah <laughs> you know so um I want to before I, you move on. Yeah, we got to finish up the equipment. Yes, yeah. We got yeah. mics, okay? You got mic. And you can yeah. look up um the standards on anything like uh use a D112 or a D12. The D12 mm-hmm. is the older version I have. Or Is that the um the AKG? AKG, yep. D12, yeah. D12E, which means it made it XLR and then the D 112 now um that i used the d112 before i got a d12 but i use that for the like inside kick and then the outside kick i'm actually using another neumann u87 on the outside kick but you can use a 414 or any kind of large cardioid yeah and i put it like a a foot away from the bass drum to get that all Mm -hmm. that 
ripply uh, room sound out of the bass drum. That's yeah. like the biggest part of it. Yeah. Um, the room mics, the the PZM, uh, those hundred dollar Radio Shack mics that I mod and yeah. sell. Yeah. Um, you put a nine volt on them, and you, I change it uh, out the end to XLR so you can plug it into a real microphone preamp. Yeah. And then smash the hell out of that with a compressor. That's yeah. part of the sound. That's where a lot of sizzles coming from, right? If I, yeah, like the, there's the yeah. ka and the, all the over yeah. over. Uh, I put that thing out in the hallway. I have a big yeah. room and then I have a big cathedral ceiling hallway that I put it in. Yeah. It sounds it sounds like that in the hallway and then I compress it even more to make it extremely uh even more extreme. So that's yeah. a big part of it. That goes along with the room and room mic. Um but the what I really wanted to talk about was the importance of a uh, mic preamps. Yeah, okay, hit me because um, this you, is unexplored territory for me for yeah. sure. So right now I'm using a uh, a Neve 1272. It's um 80 series Neve from the from the mid 70s. Mm-hmm. It's class A. It has big transformers in it and um it's just the best uh the better mic preamp you can get, the better your mic is going to sound. You're not your microphone is only going to sound as good as the microphone preamp you put it in right i learned that um on the first record when we were using the neve 80 series it was an 8016 mm-hmm. um mid 70s board and it just sounded amazing and yeah. the eqs on those are, are perfect for drums as well the 80 series neve stuff is just where you want to be for for drums if you can get it um right and they have great emulations for the EQ because I can't afford those EQs. The, the preamp EQ combination for a Neve 80 series is about 10 grand oh per channel. God. So, yeah. Um, BAE, <laughs> um, which used to be Brent Averill Enterprises, BAE is now, um, I don't know, they called it something British, something, but it, it started with Brent. And he used to take 80 series boards and old API boards. And they used to be more worth more as parts than as a whole. So they'd take the preamp EQs out of them and rack them up so you could use them outboard, which is what okay. I have. I have a couple of APIs. I have a couple of Neves. And <clears throat> the if you can't afford knee, real Neves, like the only real Neves I have are the 1272s. And that's the, that's the preamp part. It was actually a line amp but you can modify it slightly. It has all the same parts as the mic preamp from uh, 80 series 1073 or 1084. And those have, those are the mic preamp with the EQ. So you have the mic preamp that brings your, uh, the low voltage of the microphone up to a level that you can record it. That's the mic preamp. Right. You put a good mic in a good mic preamp and right into your computer you're good. You don't need any outboard uh, EQs because they're way too expensive. I have a couple of Calrec stuff, which is basically Neve. Um, yeah. It's cheaper. It's about one third the price of Neve, but they were also um, making them for the BBC at the same time oh. as Neve. And when Neve couldn't keep up with the orders, Calrec filled the gap and they made they basically copied Neve. And they sound okay. amazing. So Calrec is very, very good. High, just as high quality as Neve. 
and made the same specifications because the BBC were very, very particular about their gear. For and, sure, um, yeah. So I have a couple of those EQs, but the, those are the only outboard EQs. The most important is uh, the mic going into a nice preamp, and if you can't afford the Neves, BAE makes copies of Neves handmade just like they used to. That's amazing. You I'll look have inside to get to you to send me a, a link on those. <laughs> yeah, you can take a BAE module and put it into an old 70s Neve board, and it works. Okay. They're interchangeable parts. You could take a part of the BAE and, and put it into a real Neve. Even the mic pre, just a piece of it, just the transformer, it would work. Um, so those are the best. Uh, they, they lack a little bit of the mojo, the magic that the old stuff does, just because they can't get the same exact same materials, the exact same sure. resistors, capacitors. Whatever yeah. was whatever they were sourcing for raw materials and parts, you can't mm -hmm. get it all the same as they did in the seventies. Just doesn't exist. Factories closed and yeah. materials became uh, scarce, but they were yeah. very very close. And if you have, um, you can get a BAE preamp EQ for three thousand yeah. instead of the vintage, which is ten thousand. And you yeah. can. All, I also have a pair of just the preamp. They're called 1073MP. Yeah. It's two channels of BA of uh, Neve copy BAE preamps, no EQs, and those you can get for about eighteen hundred for the pair, so nine hundred each. Jeez. So, <laughs> but I mean, no, I know it's a lot of money, and you know it's taken me thirty years to get here. But if you can get a pair. Just a yeah. pair of, if you're doing drums, these BAE 1073 preamps, it is money well smithed. It's, it's worth saving up for, for as long as you have to, to get them, get a pair of 414s and a pair of these BAE preamps, put them over the drums, and you're going to get a good sound. I think that's amazing that, you know, the, like fundamentally, like, just getting that good sound can be boiled down to a few factors that maybe it costs money, but I mean, could you imagine, I think about this all the time. Could you imagine being like 14, 15 years old or whatever, and you had logic pro at your disposal? Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> you know, and an interface, like just those two things, the, the world that you can create. Yep. Um, and then, I mean, for, for you, I'm, I'm guessing these like, these first, uh, those first two big rec albums, were they done to tape or was it like, yeah. like getting fed into Pro Tools and onto tape or? It was pre, because it, they didn't have Pro Tools. It was done on a Studer uh, A80 24 track, two inch tape. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, that's a sound for sure. It had its, it had its issues. It had its, you know, whatever. But I mean, it's, it's such a great part of, that those sounds of those early records yeah and i but i asked matt uh who recorded it if he could yeah. use that again would he, he said no because i said because right. i have a tape deck and i i'd made some great recordings and part of the reason is because when you smash tape it gives a natural compression it softens off the harshness of the sound if yeah. you're putting a harsh sound in it it'll soften it up thicken it up yeah. and make it sound better but yeah. If you already have a sound that is exactly how you want it, it will mm -hmm. possibly degrade it. 
So he said right. we were getting great sounds out of the speakers and out of the out of the mics and the preamps and the board, and we'd put it into the two inch tape, and it wouldn't be as good coming out. Yeah. So he said he wouldn't go back to tape. Yeah, I mean, I think there's you hear about a few different bands that are are doing this with with intention, you know, instead yep. of necessity, which yeah. I think is it, it's it's good, you know, to be able to have the option. Um, it's also but, part of the process, part of the the creative process, because if you're going to tape, it has a certain sound, yeah. and when you hit it a certain way, it gives you a certain sound. It's a, it's an effect, you know. I mean, they yeah. have a plugin. They have plugins to make it sound like tape. I know it's it's insane. Like, but I guess like my main thing here is is just the the options that we have now are absolutely incredible when when i think about what we've been able to do with this song i'm just like i've never even jammed with forest before you know the closest thing i've done to jamming with you is probably playing your music with some cover bands or something you know like that's the closest i've gotten yet we were able to talk and collaborate and come up with something without even actually physically meeting each other in person. Yeah, and it turned out really, really great. I, I think oh, it man. sounds fantastic. I can't believe that you, you mixed that yourself. It sounds really good. Thanks. I mean, it was... And, and a lot of it was basically revolving around the drums that I'd gotten from you. I mean, we tweaked arrangement, which I was pretty thankful for the changes. And, and I mean, anything that was kind of getting away on me in terms of drum sound, because there was, there was like, there's that bell, right? In the chorus. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, I'm like, I'm like, oh, is it like, is it, is it a little stabby? I don't know. I'm like, ah, we'll just soften it up with a few, like, we'll do some stereo imaging on some guitars. It'll, you know, this'll be fine. And, and, I, I didn't do any automation to anything in this song. Um, it was all it's and so in some ways I find it kind of flat, but the playing is so dynamic and the most dynamic parts of the playing are coming from you. Um, and for me, I was just kind of, I was sitting sidecar on this and I'm just like, yeah, okay. Like I, I'm supporting the song through the drums here and <laughs> As a guitar player, that can be hard to do because, like, you, I can always tell who plays what when they send me a mix sometimes. They're like, yeah, this is my song. I'm like, you're the guitar player, aren't you? Because the <laughs> guitars are just jacked or, or whatever, or it's, it goes the same with drummers sometimes. I mean, this, is, this just comes from trying to find our way most of the time, right? Yeah. And it, it gets away on us. But... But the fact that we were able to do what we did, and I'm I'm super proud of the song. After I got the master back, I was just like, "Oh man, this is great!" and and I get to, you know, I, I get to share it now, and and we have that experience together. And I hope to do more in in the future. But it all comes down to the fact that we were able to do it. I mean, you putting yourself out there as someone that is that is willing to produce music for people or do drums or coach people through like what what an opportunity, you know, to to be able to uh, to work with you in, in that way. And, and I'd say very reasonable pricing as well, you know, for for what you bring to the table and what you're employing. I, I think it's amazing. It's it's one of the the things that makes me comfortable with where I'm at too. I'm like, I, I'm just able to contribute to music in the world that I live in 
in a positive way that can help someone else out or whatever. Like when I think about working with you, I'm like, sure, I could work with someone here or, or whatever, but I'm like, uh, I'm working with someone that knows what they're doing and, and they seem to enjoy doing it too. It goes the same for mastering engineers. Yeah, I guess I could find a plugin that would leave me satisfied, but there's someone that does that job. And, and you know, like, if I'm a restaurant that makes pasta, I'm going to buy the flour from the guy down the street, you know, to keep it all moving together. And, and, and that's one of the things I love most about music. And at the end of the day, I think we, we just caught like such a good vibe. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. It's all, it's about interaction and as much as you can keep it organic and, and get some kind of interaction with it is is the best like you actually listening to what i'm playing and you've obviously really listened to it and and noticed every nuance of it and you listened and you interacted with that that that's what music's all about and we're lucky we can do it um this way like i can play with 10 different people um (laughs) via the internet and computers thank god it's amazing there's, there's no way we could do this. We couldn't. There's no way I could. I could. I could fly up there, and we could <laughs> afford it, or I could get the time off of work, or or even feel like it. I want to. I want to go watch TV later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be. I don't want to be there. Uh, doing I'm, stuff I'm of the and same... setting up my drums in a studio. No, thank you. Yeah, I'm. I'm kind of the same way, man. Like I, you know what I. Any opportunity that comes my way, I consider, you know, what I would like to do and what, you know, I'm able to do. And what I'm able to do is always much more than what I would like to do. Um, I, I, I'm doing a couple festival gigs with a, with a local Quebec artist here. And it took me a minute to be like, yeah, okay, I'll do it. Like, yeah, it's like a lot of work. Like, it's you a have lot to be of work. prepared mentally yeah. and you have to be able to play all the parts and get all your gear and make sure your your strings aren't going to break you got extra strings or or it's all gear just and so much you gotta yeah. get it there and you gotta oh god no <laughs> no thank right? like, you when you when you start adding it up it's like ah i played you know in a what? band a couple of years ago and kind of like that's how i kind of started getting into it again because so there was a neighbor around here who was playing music and the, my other neighbor said, Hey, you know, he plays drums and I sent the drums and we started playing together and then we ended up playing out. And, yeah. um, I, I did not like it. I, I, <laughs> I mean, it, it wasn't, and it wasn't on like big re- It wasn't on like, you know, it was a little, it, it wasn't awesome. Yeah. And, I we I was proud of it when we played it. We played as best we could, but I it, like I was just too old. I didn't want. I had to move like take my drums out and put them in a car <laughs> and be home late. Oh my stick bag! Shit, where's my stick bag? Yeah. Oh my god, dude! <laughs> I just I can't do it. And like that's why I always say it. The only purse, the only band I would leave home for. And, uh, and I, and I'd want enough, and it would have to be enough money so I could bring my family with me and have my own tour bus and my own hotel rooms would Mm -hmm. be the Foo Fighters. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only person that I would return that request as a positive would be Dave Grohl. Yeah. 
Oh man. And I mean, what a, what a, what a tragedy there. That's, you know, that would have been, and, and that's the other problem. If I had been Taylor and I had been doing it for as long as he had constantly, he's, he, he didn't have to have a real job. He could pay the bills with Atlantis yeah. Morissette and then the Foo Fighters. And he kept doing it and he was who he was at age 50. I would have been dead too. I, you know what? Same for myself, man, because I mean, we know what comes with this, this world. Right. And I mean, when you're in it, it's hard to get away from some things. I've had my own issues with uh, substance and alcohol abuse and, and it's a very real thing. And it's, it's not to discredit the, the positives of playing music, but, and it's not like you have to do these things to, to be in that world. But I mean, it just, it's, it's very, such a very hard to get away from. You're put in that situation constantly. You're Constantly. in a hotel in Colombia, <laughs> and you're the best drummer, rock drummer out there, playing for the best yeah. rock band out there, playing to yeah. thousands of people that fucking love you and they want to party. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's hard to get yourself out of that. I mean, Ozzy, when he goes on tour, he has that Sharon has two guys watching him at all times. Because, yeah. And it's fucking scary. I'm just looking out the window. I'm thinking... How scary it is. You're in there. You're having a great time. You're fucking rolling the dice. You could die. And yeah. at, at any point, and especially these days, I'm totally terrified that if my kids try drugs, you can't mm. just snort a line of Coke anymore. No. Because no. it's got fentanyl in it. And you could be allergic yeah. to fentanyl or you could, or it's cut with too much. I have, I look right across my street right across mm -hmm. my street a young man 26 years old died from fentanyl oh per a, yeah. a house i'm looking right out the window at it's yeah. crazy um you can't it, it's it's do yeah. it. it it's super unfortunate because i mean over the course of the pandemic i've had several friends uh die from overdoses or suicides lonely lonely deaths yep. and i mean people look at like Someone like Keith Richards would have been like, how did, how did Keith do it, man? It's like, because he was doing real drugs and for not that long, you know, but the Coke that, that Keith Richards was doing, there was no fentanyl in there. There was, you know, you know, and it's like, and at the end of the day, it's like, who, like, it doesn't matter that he survived it. It's like, this world is such, like you're saying, it's so dicey that I, I just... Yeah, no, I, I worry about kids these days for sure because I didn't see these kinds of drugs even when I was growing yeah. up. Even know? without fentanyl, I would have been dead. I mean, yeah, just just yeah. from doing too much of the less lethal stuff. I mean, it's really mm -hmm. scary. It's really scary to think like uh, how how um, how important I was to the world and how loved I was and how I was the coolest guy in the room being in big yeah. wreck in 1998 on the radio and and how scary and dark it is at the same time yes yes and how you could have you you know that it's just it was a it was a bad place <clears throat> yeah it's that juxtaposition that creates the 
you know the end of the end result at the same time so i'm 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 really happy for you Forrest, that you've come out on the side that you did of of all of it and and i mean just from my my limited interaction with you i i see you as a happy person that still enjoys what they do loves their family um and I, like what else can you really ask for you know yeah, especially um, these days, especially I'm, these days. I mean, yeah, I'm really happy. And it's taken a long time to get here. Um, yeah. I was very upset for many years because I thought that <clears throat> Ian wrecked our chances and we could have been Aerosmith. I was right. pissed at him. Pissed. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. and, you know, I finally... And I, I had to get out of my system. I, I, I bashed the hell out of him online f- like uh, a few months ago. I had to get it out of my system. I yeah. had to do it. I, and it was wrong of me, and I wouldn't do it again. And I don't right. recommend being negative, even if somebody deserves it, because it just comes back. It came all back on me, and it wasn't yeah. worth it. I wouldn't do yeah. it again, but I also feel like I had to get it out of my system. And I've, and I've, in the last six months, a year, I've, I've, you know, I feel like I really have moved on. When people, yeah. or when I was bashing him a year ago and people were saying, get over it, I would yeah. say, what do you mean? <laughs> we, we could, I could have been an Aerosmith. I could have been an Aerosmith <laughs> level person right now. But then, yeah. Then again, I probably would have been dead, but so in a way, he <laughs> saved my life. Um, and I was part of the problem too. I was a, you know, I was a mess back then too. It wasn't Ian's fault. Um, so we all had a, we, it, everything happened, happened. There was, it's very, very complex. And, uh, and that, I had that's to, that's the way kinda, I see it too. Um, unfortunately, uh, I was trying to work with, I was trying to work. I was trying a couple years ago, I reached out and tried to um, uh, make everything good and mm-hmm. offer my help and say, everything's okay. You yeah. know, if you need any help or if you want me to play on a song for, for a, a reissue of pleasure and the greed, yeah. you know, whatever you want. And um, unfortunately it just kind of was, the typical Ian, just nothing. <laughs> so yes. it just I just kind of, I mean, it got, and then, and then I got kicked off of my own fan page, Big Wreck. <laughs> and then I'm like, right. are you really? Yeah. He's like, I got a letter from the manager, from his manager. We'd rather you not use the name Big Wreck. And I'm like, wait, but, You've been you you asked me to use it in 2010 and I said no. <laughs> and you used it you used the name anyway. So you've been using yeah. it since 2010 for 10 years making a ton of money off of it, not paying me a dime. And you're saying I shouldn't even utter the word big wreck or associate yeah. myself with my own band and then you kick me off of Facebook. Uh I got I got fucking pissed off. Oh, and, I bet, man. I mean, because this, this whole that that whole thing, I, I I witnessed some of that too. We talked a little bit about it, and I mean, I'm I'm glad that you're through that because 
it's it's all just like a toxic pot of stew. Yeah, you know? it's terrible. And and that's that's gonna bleed into your life in ways that you just. That's the reason you you left all that shit behind exactly. in the first place. It made it. You know? It it did not improve my situation. No, <laughs> and it didn't. It's and and it's not good for anybody. So no. what the fuck? You know, like it's just like. M- I I think it's really great that I've been able to interact with you and talk a bit about this stuff, but I don't I don't care about that shit. I I want like I want to hear about what makes you happy, you know. Yeah. Like, and and I'm glad that you just made it through because you know what I've had similar situations with with myself. I I just actually um I had this record that I put out with a couple friends. We used to live back in Manitoba and. It actually never officially got released. It's a full, like, I don't know, 10 oh, God. track record. And it at the time, the band completely disbanded. It just, Ugh. it didn't come out. But I know all these guys very personally. And, and as I've been doing this podcast thing, and I want these episodes to be focused on any work I've done with anybody, whether it be mastering engineers, venue owners, yourself. So I'm like... I wonder if I could get actually everybody to just listen to that record together because we've actually never done that. Wow. Um, yeah. And and I talked to everybody and everyone's down and there's gonna be like a four part episode about that album and we're able to get over it. We're able to move through. Um, sometimes there's just too much baggage right i don't know what it's like with you and ian these days but i hope that he remembers the good stuff and can let go some people can't let go or they think they're so right i mean i've been there myself i'm like no i'm the one that's fucking you know (laughs) but but i mean it's at the end of the day i mean there's so much so many people that love what what you guys did and what you did together and i mean you don't know what it's like to not be the drummer on those first two big rec albums, right? Yes. So everybody else that looks at what you've done, I, I'm telling you, man, it's it's very special and it means a lot to a lot of people. And I'm glad that you're through the shit so you can just experience that, you know? Yeah, I'm at a, I'm a, a great place. Great place right now. Very happy. Yeah. I just wake up happy. Like, this is awesome. <laughs> this is awesome. Amazing. Well, listen, yeah. Forrest, I I really appreciate everything. Um, I, I would love to work with you again. Um, and uh if anybody else wants to work with you, what where, where can where can they go? Produce music at home dot com. So produce music at yeah. home all in one word dot yeah. com what? or produce music at home now at gmail is my gmail you can just always look up donald forrest williams youtube whatever and yeah. if i've got enough content out there that i actually get some search results it's nice great <laughs> um, so it's not too hard to find me anymore which is great yeah well uh, I, I i'll say this that i encourage anybody to work with you i i had a blast um and it was so fun i look forward to doing it again at some point i'm pretty sure we will um and what was the yeah, what's the song called so that people are listening to this i'd be annoyed if you didn't tell us the song and how to find it <laughs> i know you don't have it out yet but what is, what's the song what's the artist and how how do people going to find this song 
So this is going to come out under my name. I've been kind of going under this uh, this title, like Cora Kamita or uh, Volume Academy is kind of like my incorporation or whatever. Yeah. Uh, um, so I'll be releasing it as a Cora Kamita. And the name of the song is Trip. Um, when it comes to this batch of tunes that I'm doing now, there's probably a group of about four songs. Uh, the third I'm, I'm finishing up and then there's a fourth that I'm working on. But this kind of goes back to that thing I was saying about when I was just sending people voice memos of acoustic songs. Um, the only way to actually get this is directly from me. I will wow. email it direct directly to you. There's going to be a little message or whatever. And, and all of this content that we're doing right now is it just all ties into it together. Whether people actually enjoy that way, I don't know, but I just don't like, I just look at what's going on these days and I open up my Facebook or Instagram and it's just someone that's talking about the playlist they're on or whatever. And I just wanted to personalize this, maybe not forever. I don't, think this is the right way to do it but when it comes to my music it's basically friends and family i don't have a lot of fans or anything so i wanted to present it as personally as i could and as cost effective as i could you know so i'm not gonna tour i'm not gonna go get vinyls printed out right now i would like to but how i have it set up is that uh like yeah the music the podcast all of it is just basically a business card to subscribe to like a Patreon. So that's a patreon.com slash Korakmeda. And as of May 8th, um, I will be keeping a very good track of any earnings made from from my music or my content or whatever. And May 8th of 2023, I'll be donating a percentage of my earnings to my high school music program awesome. back in Dryden, Ontario. Awesome. So... Um, and that's kind of that'll all be expressed in the personaliz- personalization of sending it to people too. It's like this is what you're supporting here. Thank you, and I hope to do more of it. You know, I like so, it. And, and you're you're it's different. I like it. It's uh, I think I'm, about I think about it all the time. And when I was doing the retro wreck and I'm doing this new project, I'm like, how do you get out there? And I've learned from a. a a conversation I had with an ex-publicist that she's, um, she said, you don't need a publicist anymore. You just do Instagram stories. And yeah. um, <laughs> I don't have the energy <laughs> or for that. But, um, yeah. but uh, and then, um, and then she said, as far as uh, like, you used to have to get on the radio. Now you have to get on playlists. And then I said, how, how do I do that? And um, she said, you pay someone to do that. Here's the company. This is, you have to pay $3,000 uh for uh this one song and they need to you to have another song for a follow-up and you actually pay them thousands of dollars to get you on playlists and that's how it's done like how yeah. fucking depressing but i guess that's the way it used to be with radio too you got atlantic records walks in the door and i'm, I'm sure that there was a nice dinner involved at least <laughs> and um yeah that's just the business world and it's nice it's like i don't want to do that it's just gross so I know just, there's no uh, decorum to it at all. I like know? what like you're doing. T- you're going to send it out. And then that may not be the end of it. Maybe it'll get so uh, people will want it so much that you'll actually release it on uh, uh, through iTunes and everything. And then, then that, that'll be the next thing. But maybe not. I like the way that you're being different and it's more unique and special that way. I like it. 
Thanks, man. I for me, it's special too because it's just, it's it just goes back to like sitting in a room with a buddy and just like listen to this record and you listen to it and I find things are so instantaneous. Click here to get the link now and it's like, Ugh. you know what? This this music did not it it was not that easy to make. I don't yeah. think it should be that easy to be heard. It's like, if you want to hear it, let's talk. And then yeah. I'll send it to you and we'll have an exchange it's like so real depressing. people. <laughs> it's so depressing. You can just, and then who's going to keep, uh, once you send the, the email to somebody with the song, what's going to keep them from sending it to someone else? Or, but at least they'll well, have I, to send it to someone else with saying, hey, hey, I like this. Check it out. And then they'll have exactly. it. And if anyone gets it, it'll be because somebody liked it and they just kind of organically shared it. That would that would and, be good. I mean, and, we all know and, we're not going to be making much money on it, so <laughs> or anything. I mean, that's that. Well, that's the thing, right? It's like if I can if I can keep generating content. Um, I, I'm I'm for the mind of like at this point for me, like keep it small, keep it all. You know. Yeah. Um, and I I just feel comfortable, and you know what. And maybe for the next batch, it all gets put up. But 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 this time, it's like, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna try something here, and let's just see how it goes. Cause yeah, I like it. And um, <laughs> and uh, whatever you got as far as promotion and stuff, I'll I'll help you. I'll put it on my stuff too. Well, thanks, Forrest. I I appreciate every bit of you. So, um, I think uh, I think I think that's I think we're good. I think we've talked about a lot here, and and thank you for for doing this all of it no problem my my pleasure i enjoy it and uh (laughs) yeah thank you (laughs) no problem man i'm gonna go walk my dog Uh, okay (laughs) (laughs) but i hope to talk to you soon all right people there you have it thank you again forrest for uh, your amazing work. It was, it was. I can't wait to work with you again. Can't say it enough. Um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna give you guys a little bit of teaser here of of what we've done. So this is a little clip from a song Forrest and I worked on, and it's called Trip. And uh, like I said before, and like I said in this episode, if you want it, you got to get it directly from me. And all you have to do is ask. Uh, for the song itself, uh, it's free. If you would like to donate towards my content, uh, we can we can figure that out. But if you'd like to just hear the music, it is available. Just ask and ye shall receive. Thank you, everybody. Take care.